Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello, and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Greg, what's going on? Eric, I, you know, this is the holiday season is upon us. It's time for us to get festive and enjoy life, isn't it? All right, deal. <laughs> so, <laughs> do we have big plans to do that today? Uh, well, not really, uh, but the holidays are all about family. Yeah. And people are getting together and uh, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. And some of the, sometimes uh, family conversations take a bit of a turn for the worse as mm-hmm. our parents get older and we have to deal with some of those issues. Uh, and so I thought it'd be a great time to bring on um, my guest today, Sarah Dixon. Uh, Sarah is a community relations director for a local nursing home. Uh, and she's had to help families through these type of conversations. Oh, probably more times than she wants to, to recognize. But uh, I thought it'd be great to, get our uh, some information out there for our friends and families uh, as they have to deal with these type of uh, conversations. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. Sarah, thank you and welcome to Your Financial Advocate. Thanks for having me. It's been my pleasure. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, it's going to be a little bit like speed dating here. We'll get to know each other a little bit in the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, Just kind of having a conversation uh, about how we can help our family, friends deal with some of these issues. Uh, So first of all, just tell me a little bit about yourself and your background and what brought you to what you're doing there out of Bluebird. Uh, So, gosh, my background uh, is actually I was a hospitality management major way back when in school, and um, I worked in hotels starting out as an event planner and um, didn't have as much fulfillment as I had hoped I would out of that job. And so an opportunity came about in healthcare. Uh, It was a concierge role and was really opening into long-term senior living, and I can't imagine doing anything else. So I've now been working in the industry for about 13 years at various nursing facilities, assisted living communities, uh, rehab communities as well. And it's, it's been such a rewarding experience. So I, I find that interesting, Sarah. So you came to the, the, the role that you're in now from uh, the hospitality industry. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. What, what uh, did you do before you came over here with the hospitality industry? Oh, we're going way back when. So um, the hospitality industry, I did um, some trade show management where I would travel throughout the country and help plan trade shows. And then I got a job here locally in Columbus at the Hilton and was in a corporate event planner. Um, I always knew I wanted to work with people and help people, but I didn't quite know where I fit. So um, healthcare turned out to be a wonderful fit for me. The reason I find that so so fascinating and interesting is, um, you know, watching the industry from the outside, uh, so many of the hospitality uh, industries, uh, the conglomerates uh, own residential facilities such as Bluebird. But I did notice in, re- in you know, researching your facility, uh, you're actually privately owned out there. So it's got to be kind of like a night and day difference for you from going from um, those huge corporate institutions to uh, what appears to be more of a family operation. Am I on the right page there? 
You are spot on. And I never realized what a big difference it would make coming from a large corporation to a privately owned business. And um, in my experience, you know, my 13 years plus in in long-term senior living, working for these um, enormous companies and corporations that, you know, are serving people on a, on a national platform to a company that owns two um, communities locally, it, to me, made all the difference in the world um, in, in the quality of the care of um, the interaction with the people that own and, and support this business. And um, as an employee, it, it, was, it was a breath of fresh air coming in. Yeah, I, I go on and on and, and rail on about the financial industrial complex and how the families have saved all this money throughout their life. And there are all these factors out there that are trying to get that money, not the least of which being the the huge uh, nursing home industry. Um, and so it's nice to see local and uh, people that are not necessarily driven by you know their market share, uh, meaning their stock prices. Now, how does it look when when somebody comes in uh, with their family uh, and are starting to investigate the need to to move on to more care than uh, people are able to provide at home? Someone comes in to you and says, "I need your help, Sarah." Where, what's that look like? It can look. Um a lot of different ways. I mean, it really is is dependent upon where the family is at, at that point in their lives, um, where the potential resident is at home and um, their difficulties at being at home. Some people come in, um, you know, looking for companionship, looking for more ease of, of life and a better quality of life than they're getting at home. Others come kicking and screaming, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not going, don't take me out of my home. And other people come in kind of crisis mode where something happened and now they need something and home is no longer safe. So each, each scenario is very different. You have to navigate where they are currently and, and help the family through what's going to be best for them through that. Yeah, my mom was, uh, God love her, uh, was in that not taking me there dead or alive type of mentality with that. And as she and my father were going through their final years together, uh, there there were so many instances that came along uh, that they had a medical condition that led them to a step-down facility. And uh, they were but, uh, you know, a if it weren't for my sister being an advocate uh, for them, they they would have ended up in a long-term care facility. I, I imagine that you find, unfortunately, more often than not, that there's not a strong advocate for the parents or the family. Is, is that a real problem out there? Well, in a, so I work in an assisted living in a memory care unit um, at, with, in an in Bluebird. Um, and so it's not necessarily classed as a nursing home. And it's interesting because I worked in the nursing home environment, you know, 12 years prior to coming here. And we did have more instances in that setting than we do in assisted living where families and advocates are not involved. Um, it seems like for the most part, the family members that we're working with um, or the potential residents do have some support system. It varies, of course, from one person to the next. Some have a whole team of children that come. Others have one child. Others may have a friend who, you know, is, is a neighbor and, and kind of taking them under their wing. So it, it 
varies greatly, mm-hmm. but it is rare that you would find an individual that would be the resident coming and looking for themselves on their own with no support. Um, so it's definitely a good thing. It seems like, you know, people have an interest, be it a friend or a family member in helping them find the right place and the right so help. So you're not in the situation uh, where you're having court guardians put people into into the facility, that type of stuff. That's that's not what your facility deals with, right? Well, it's interesting you say that because we do have one that we're dealing with right now um, with an individual who is having some family issues and, and a friend has stepped in and, and offered help. And so they're working with um, an attorney's office to get guardianship and, and secure things for him and his well-being moving forward. Um, so we do have instances like that. Absolutely. Um, as well as, you know, of course, working alongside family to figure out what's going to be best for that person when they're moving in, you know, be it um, if they need uh, help establishing VA aid and attendance, or if they need help, you know, um, with a living will or power of attorney, those kinds of things. Those are all things that we're going to want to, you know, assist and help them with as well as, you know, the transition into senior living and just planning and preparing is a little overwhelming. So you mentioned how you're an assisted living uh, in a memory care facility, uh, and those terms have very specific meanings. Can you uh, help the listener kind of understand the different levels of uh, assistance? Uh, then, you know, what what's out there? You know, what, yeah, mom and dad have got problems. What do I need to look for? How, how where do they start? Yeah, that's an excellent question, and you know, I think. Um, Calling and setting up tours is probably the best first step. I think you should always lay eyes on a community. Now, there are, as you mentioned, different levels of care. So you have, you know, at the very tippy top, your hospital level, which is your acute setting. Then you have inpatient rehab, which is also typically in a hospital setting. Then below that, you would have a post-acute which is also known as a nursing home. And those nursing homes have um, a post-acute rehab side to them or component so that they can offer both the short-term rehab piece where you're looking at being able to bill through insurance, be it commercial insurance or Medicare, Medicare replacement, or they also would offer then intermediate or long-term care, which to many people's surprise is not covered by your traditional insurance. That would be typically on a private pay basis. You might have a long-term care policy that could help out with that. Or some folks would obviously need, because it is very expensive, um, to apply for financial assistance through Medicaid. Um, And then kind of, I guess, slightly below that would be assisted living. And assisted livings have the capacity to offer rehab, but aren't classed as a rehabilitation unit. It is home-based living is what assisted living is classed as. So um, assisted livings have changed over the course of the past, I'd say 10 to 15 years so that they are really operating a little bit more like a nursing home and offering the higher levels of assistance, be it you know a one-person, two-person assist, Hoyer assistance if they can no longer um, bear weight on their own, as well as you know modified diets and things like that. So there's a lot of confusion out there about that transition. Uh, you know, when we start out uh, 
private pay and we start running out of money. Um, is that how does that usually get handled from an administrative side? Do you guys help families through that transition, or everybody always is afraid that when we run out of money, we're going to be kicked out in the street? Uh, you know what? You know, how how is the system set up to to help that transition? I think the hardest thing is is planning for the unknown. And so, you know, when we're having these family meetings and talking, trying to budget for for question mark is very difficult, right? Am I am I trying to budget for two years, four years, or ten years um, when I'm talking about my mom or my dad and and their resources and what they have? So um, we help folks just kind of sit down and look through what they have, what's coming in consistently on a monthly basis and where their needs are currently and look big picture. So helping them to kind of understand how far this could get them, right? So if we have somebody that makes $2,000 a month is then a veteran and might get another $2,000 a month um, for VA in attendance, um, you know, let's say they meet all those criteria, right? You have to have so many you cannot have above so much money in liquid assets and your eligible wartime days, looking at all of that. And then let's say um, they have a home to sell that or a rental property that brings so much in. So looking at the, the big picture, right? So if we're going to boil down the numbers, we'd be able to tell them, okay, you could afford to potentially stay here. It could be for six years, right? Now, it's, it's just looking at the reality of it. Is six years going to be enough? We don't know. But what I recommend to to people and families as they're making these tough decisions is looking at what's going to be the best for their mom and dad, where they feel most comfortable and finding a community and then letting the rest sort itself out. Um, That's a little bit difficult for some people, um, you know, when looking at the rationale and reasoning of the numbers, you know, don't make sense. But if we're looking at six years, that person is going to have in an assisted living environment the best quality and the best care that that their money can give them. And if if they live past those six years, then you know what? Those Medicaid facilities will always be there, but they may never actually need that. So um, their abilities are the highest they're going to be when they're coming in, and um, we want to capture the best quality of life for as long as we have and make every day as special as we possibly can. And unfortunately, not all communities are created equal. Um, So really looking at that and making those decisions is something we'd like to be able to help people out with. So uh, typically then a family um, budgets out how long they can pay, you know, uh, you know, obviously that's one of the things that we do as part of our uh, planning process for people. Um, And then, um, let's say that they're in a facility like yours uh, that we've projected that they've got uh, four years uh, of money there. Uh, and so, to, I mean, four years worth of, of payment there. So typically what happens then? So as the, they come into facility, we see that they got budget for four years uh, and now we're at the three and a half year mark. Um, is it the family? Is it the facility? Is it a team? How do we then um, take care of getting mom or dad transitioned to uh, a Medicaid facility at that point in time? Yeah, it's definitely a team environment. You know, us needing to 
know the the financial status and what that might look like for them. And then um, as a privately owned business, we like to be able to do everything we can um, to help them and assist and be creative as well. But if a Medicaid facility is necessary, then of course we would help transition and help them find placement at wherever the next step might be. So, you know, when people are out there looking uh, for a facility for mom and dad, what type of things do you uh, suggest that they may not think of uh, that they really should think of when they are doing visitations and interviewing facilities? Uh, What type of questions do you wish people would ask you that they don't ask you? Uh, I think one of the biggest things um, that, you know, from a first impression standpoint is looking at all of the residents and um, even having conversation with them, you know, as opposed to just being on a tour and and walking by and, and glancing and saying, hello, sit down and ask them, what's your experience here? How do you like it? Because I know without a shadow of a doubt, the response they're going to get from our, from our residents and families uh, that live at Bluebird is, is going to be a lovely story. Um, and I think having those direct testimonials from the people that live there and family members are there is a true testament to the community. Um, so aside from asking me, the salesperson or the community relations director or the business development manager, whatever you know, my role is, as I'm showing them around, I think hearing it directly from the people that, that live in the community gives them all the sense of, of peace and comfort that they need. Well, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, if your family is going to a, a presentation and walking through and, and for one reason or another, the uh, the Sarah Dixon that you're talking to uh, doesn't want you talking to uh, people that are in the facility, that's a big red flag, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's a huge red flag. <laughs> is there any type of um, governmental resource that people can look at to kind of do the background check on facilities? Uh, you know, they can always go to medicare.gov. That's going to be um, a little bit more geared towards the nursing facilities. There's also the Ohio Department of Health. There are annual surveys that are done um, at both nursing facilities slash rehab communities, as well as assisted livings. And so understanding uh, those survey results where there may have been any um, sites, things like that are, are good talking points um, when you come into tour, just to be sure that you understand where they're coming from. And that's not to say, you know, there's not going to be a site or a flaw on someone's survey, but to, to understand the lengths that they went to, to write the site and to uh, rise above it and correct it is really important. And it shows that you've done your homework and how seriously, uh, you know, you're taking this, this decision. Now, you, you mentioned uh, that you have the, the memory care unit. Is that the equivalent of a uh, Alzheimer's care facility, or is that yet another step above? No, that could definitely be classified as one and the same. So our memory care unit, um, you know, encompasses anyone that has any type of, of dementia um, that's more advanced. So in our assisted living, we do have many residents with some form of mild dementia, um, that are perfectly appropriate, uh, that don't need necessarily a memory care unit yet. But for the people that have that more advanced diagnosis that need more specialized and um, direct care and supervision, our memory care unit, we call grandma's farmhouse. It's um, a very sweet, nostalgic space where um, it just feels 
comfortable and safe and um, we have dedicated staff. So we find that the residents that do have those more advanced behaviors or um, symptoms with dementia really kind of flourish once they go back there. And yeah, I started out uh, by saying that we're getting families are getting together over the holidays. Uh, Do you have any tips uh, on how, uh, from what you've seen uh, on how to start this conversation with mom and dad? I think you just got to bite the bullet and do it. I think that's the hardest thing. You know, people sometimes tippy toe around it, but once that conversation is had, and I think what what works out best just from my viewpoint in working with families is if the families have gone ahead and done some some homework and tours and research, so then they have a, a higher level of confidence in what they're talking about with mom or dad. And um, then being able to say, why don't you just come with me and we'll go have lunch together at Bluebird? So they would come in they, and, and it would be completely just relaxed and fun and getting to meet people and talk and see that the idea of an assisted living or senior living is not nearly as intimidating or scary as the idea of it. Um, And it seems like just being open and encompassing mom or dad's, you know, thoughts and viewpoints and including them in this very big life decision typically goes the best. So Sarah, as I do in these presentations all the time, before we call it a wrap, I do like to toss it out to Eric, my producer and the resident fly on the wall to, to see if he has any questions that were percolating in his mind as he was listening to our conversation here today. So Eric, over to you. Well, Greg, thanks for bringing me back. Yes, I do have a question and it actually piggybacks off of your question, Sarah. Um, these conversations are tough to have. You said just kind of bite the bullet and do it. Uh, and you gave some great advice. I think a lot of people are nervous to have the conversation because they don't want to make mistakes. So what things should you avoid saying to your parents or things bringing things up to your parents that may trigger them or may start the conversation on, on a bad foot? I think starting the conversation out as we've decided <laughs> might, might yeah. not go very well. We voted you off the island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Good point. I, I, think, <laughs> I think making sure to include them. I mean, these are, you know, adults that have lived life and gained experience and wisdom and, and involving them in this experience to, you know, as much as their capacity is the best way to go about it. And um, just being open-minded as a family and, and working together as a family is, is definitely going to help um, as you know, you're kind of navigating uh, new waters together. Yeah. Beautifully said. I think that's perfect. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. You bet. Greg, man, again, you bring on great guests. Thank you so much for uh, facilitating this and, and making this happen. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad we could have Sarah on. Sarah, before we uh, do uh, give this a, a wrap, uh, if you would, uh, if anybody would want to get a hold of you and maybe talk to you about Bluebird a little bit, uh, how would they reach you? And uh, and would you be welcoming calls like that? Oh, absolutely. So I support both our Bluebird retirement community in Marysville, Ohio, as well as London, Ohio. 
Um, so I'd be your point person for any questions, even as you're just gathering information, as well as setting up a tour and potentially moving forward. I, I would work right alongside with any families that are doing that. Um, several different ways to reach out to me. Um, my direct number uh, I can give now if you like. It's 937-645-5315. And of course, my email is S for Sarah and then Dixon, D-I-X-O-N at bluebirdretirement.com. And I welcome any and all questions or emails or thoughts. And I'm here just to help. It's the highlight of my job. Sarah, thanks again for your time here today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you as we had a little speed dating session here. So all right. uh, take care. It's a little I'm... one way, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, both of you, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for putting this together. And of course, our last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We would appreciate it if you'd share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 